Welcome to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I am Jay Warmke. Today I'm Annie Warmke. Today and tomorrow and the rest of the days. And today we're going to be talking about uh, local climate action plans or, and this is always that truism you'll get in your fortune cookie, if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. <laughs> All right. But we're, we're joined today. Where do you come up with these sometimes? I, I don't I, know. I never saw that in a fortune cookie, Yeah, I've whatever. Got, I've got lots of trite sayings. Oh, that's so. true. That's All right. Today true. we're joined by Kathy Cowan-Becker, and Kathy is Executive Director of Simply Living. So welcome aboard, Kathy. How are you doing? Great. Great to be here. Okay, terrific. Um, why don't you tell us just a little bit about Simply Living and, and what you guys are up to, and then we'll get into some of the failing to plan uh, issues. Sure, absolutely. Um, so Simply Living is a local sustainability nonprofit in Columbus. Um, our mission is to connect people to learning opportunities that promote sustainability, environmental justice, and our local economy. Um, we're in a bit of a rebuilding phase right now, um, so uh, to be honest, there wasn't a director for three years from about 2017 through 2020, and um, I got hired in 2021 as director. I was hired a little bit before that to help with fundraising and then got promoted to be the director in March of this year. Um, so we're doing a lot of, um, it's internal work. It's momentous for the organization. People outside may not see it right away. We, I've moved us to a completely new operating system, a new data management system that will make things like sending out newsletters, tracking donations, and managing events much easier. Um, we have new forms, and when people donate, it will automatically go into their profile, or if uh, we send a newsletter, uh, we will know if they received it. Um, and so those, we'll be able to track those kinds of contacts and, and know how people are working with Simply Living. Um, we've also moved to online QuickBooks and Google well, I'm, Workspace. I'm sure there were a, a web redesign. I'm sure there were no challenges coming on board uh, in the middle of a <laughs> pandemic, um, you know, in what is essentially oh, yeah, an organization absolutely. that tries to bring people together. So uh, I'm sure that's, yeah, <laughs> that was, uh, that well, was quite a uh, our... trial by fire. Well, I also want to add a caveat it, it in that we, it, we're talking about Columbus, Ohio, and um, we're going to talk about Columbus, Ohio in a way that you might think we're not really talking about Columbus, Ohio, because <laughs> progressive is not a word that I generally have put with that city. Oh, don't and, be too uh, harsh. Yeah, well, progressive with the, the uh, world conference that we had a couple weeks ago, too. I wouldn't put that word with that either. So, well, well, we're going to, since we're no, talking local and, you know, there's that old speaking of truisms, uh, you know, think globally and act locally. And, and there's been a lot of activity in the news here not too long ago with the COP, um, COP 21, which. No, it's not 21. Yeah. Um, it's 26, isn't it? No, 21. And, and it was, uh, you're five years ahead. No, but I, I love how they named these things. You know, this was the global thing in, in Glasgow. And, and COP, you know, I, I thought, I don't know, COP, what does that stand for? Climate something? No, it's Conference of the Parties. So, of course, you know. We know means, what COP stands for. Uh, yeah, <laughs> COP means you're, you're about to be uh, in Add. trouble. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, so so COP21 was there, and, and I guess where, where some of our discussion with you, Kathy, is 
Columbus has been working on something similar. So maybe we can draw you in on the discussion to say what exactly have been the local um, activities there within Columbus and how does that compare and contrast with what came out of this global meeting? Right, yeah. So um, Columbus just last week released its climate action plan. This is the city's first climate action plan. It was over a year in the making. Um, and I was uh, with a coalition of other environmental activists very involved in trying to help the city or push the city to make it stronger. Um, so they released the first draft of the climate action plan last November of 2020. Um, so, so just as background, um, the IPCC, which stands for Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, that's basically the world's climate scientists, um, they write a report every few years about, you know, kind of the status of climate change, how bad is it, what needs to be done to address it. And back in 2018, they called for reducing the world's carbon emissions 45% by 2030. At that time, it was 12 years. Now it's eight years to do that. And, and we haven't reduced carbon emissions. We, the world hasn't even really started to reduce carbon emissions. Um, but we basically got to cut them in half by 2030 if we want a chance of a livable planet. And you can see, I mean, everyone can see the climate disasters going on. Just, you know, the tornadoes this past weekend um, were climate charged, according to scientists like Michael Mann. People love to argue that, you know, we've had bad tornadoes before, but I, I'm interested in the fact that, at least for Columbus, that being the 14th largest city in the country, they're actually the sixth highest carbon emitting state uh, in the U.S., and that seems to me like something pretty, pretty bad. Yes, we, we are the 14th largest city in the country. Ohio is the sixth highest carbon emitting state. And so one reason that um, before Simply Living, I worked on the Ready for 100 campaign for four years. I led that campaign in Ohio and in Columbus. Um, and cities are where 70% of carbon emissions take place. So environmentalists should have been working in cities this whole time. They didn't really get focused on cities until after Trump was elected in 2016. And you know, big organizations like Sierra Club decided, well, we can't really do anything with the federal government now. So then they turned their attention to cities, but we should have been working with cities all along. And we've made huge progress with cities in uh, across the country, but Columbus is, is a great example. Um, so that original climate action plan, the first draft, it only called for a 25% reduction in carbon emissions. And so we told the city, no, the science says 45%. We need to make this plan stronger. And we took the plan apart. It has five sections and about 32 action items under these sections. And a lot of the goals were very weak in those sections. And so we pointed out where there were weak goals, where there could be additional goals, um, things that could be done to make the plan stronger. Um, and we called for city council to hold a hearing on the climate action plan, which they did. We got 30 people to testify, um, either in person or written testimony. Um, most of us, most of the people testifying kind of went through this list of these goals and picked one that they were most interested in and concentrated on that. So we tried to cover our bases. Um, you know, any sustainability and climate, it touches everything. So this plan is wide ranging, touches a lot of different city functions and city departments and, and has to bring them all together. So 
after that happened, the city kind of said, okay, they took the climate plan basically back to the drawing board. And this past September, they released draft two. And so draft two um, called for overall a 36% reduction in carbon emissions. They did make some goals stronger to their credit. Um, but we said, well, 36%, that's great, but we got to get to 45% if we want to be in line with the science. Um, so we, we actually didn't have much time for public feedback at that point. So we wrote a sign-on letter um, pointing out more air, like we pointed out where the goals got stronger and you know, we were happy about that, but said there's these other goals that are still quite weak. And the pattern basically was if there was a, you know, corporate partner or, or if the Columbus partnership was interested or if it was something having to do with a big company, like, for example, um, vehicle fleets, the goal for electrifying vehicle fleets for corporations was very high. And they had they were working with the Columbus partnership and, and that group was happy to do that. But the goal for, um, you know, basic residential, like, you know, normal people buying electric vehicles, either new or used, just electric vehicle registrations in general was still very low. And we pointed out there's no goal about charging stations and people are going to buy an electric vehicle if they can't charge it. And most people, many people don't have their own garage where they can charge this. So we asked for a lot more charging stations. Like that's one example. Um, and another example was residential solar. Uh, so the goal for commercial solar um, was, was already pretty strong and got much stronger from 250 megawatts to 600 megawatts. Uh, but the goal for residential solar was originally 10 megawatts um, for all residences in Columbus to do by 2030. And we were, and they wanted and their 2050 goal was 500 megawatts. And we said, well, 10 to 500, that's not really realistic. Um, they increased that to 50 megawatts. And they also, um, we asked for uh, microgrids and community solar. And so we asked that they use their city division of power to do community solar and to build microgrids. So there were three microgrids in the first draft. There were no microgrids in the second draft. They pulled it entirely and we said, no, you need to put that back and we need, we need to have community solar. So in the final draft, there are five microgrids and they are going to ask their division of power to manage community solar projects in Columbus. So that's really huge and that's something a lot of people in Simply Living are very interested in. Well, one of the things I'm interested in before you continue and Jay jumps in about solar is <laughs> I, I'm just wondering, you know, it doesn't sound like you were actually in the meetings where they designed what they were going to do, obviously, because you kept saying we came back with these reports. But I'm just wondering what has motivated them. And I can't accept that it's because they think, oh, climate change. I, I it's got to have something to do with the corporations and the larger businesses. Um, Surely you don't think money's involved here somewhere. Well, it is the bottom <laughs> line. And, and I'm just wondering, I think something that could come out of this that all of us would like to hear is what is the actual motivation that we wouldn't see as obvious um, and how that motivation works so that people in other projects with cities could maybe jump on that and try to use it in some way? Well, I think the city of Columbus and Mayor Ginther want to be seen as leaders in this area. And, you know, even the businesses in the Columbus partnership want to be seen as leaders in the area. It, 
helps that the cost of solar has fallen so much in the past, you know, well, certainly since the 70s and even in the past 10 years, it's fallen. I mean, Jay probably knows more about this than I do, but it's fallen like 80 percent. Um, so and we actually helped the city. This was two or three years ago when when the American Cities Climate Challenge grant. And so through that grant, um, they got a climate advisor placed in the city and they got access to what other major cities across the country were even really around the world are doing in climate for like best practices. It really helps take the city to the next level and imagine things that they just had not imagined before. Um, so I think that that has to do with it, but I, I think they just really want to be seen as a leader in this area. Okay, well, um, one of the things, I'm, since I'm jumping in about solar right now, <laughs> so, so one of the uh, issues I've run into in the city of Columbus, and I'm going to sort of tie this in with two different questions, is uh, we worked on some projects, and the permitting process for residential solar in Columbus is, is fairly nightmarish and very expensive. Uh, in fact, we did a project uh, where the costs associated with it were about $10,000 for the whole install and $2,000 for permits from the, from the city. And, and it took months. Um, there are some new tools that are out there. There's one called Solar App Plus that's uh, a nationwide thing where you can, as a, as a installer, go out and, and fill out the form online and then you get instant approval through the, through the city. So I'm wondering if they've gotten any real practical, you know, this is one thing we're going to do A, B, C, and D to make this kind of thing happen, or are they kind of vague, nice goals that they can put on their resume and not do anything about? <laughs> to get reelected. And then the second issue here, which I think will talk about climate skeptics. I, I think I'm a government skeptic in, in this in this regard. Um, the goals are nice, but but you got to have carrot and stick issues. So um, if you could address that after I, I let everybody know that uh, you're listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke, reminding you it is indeed the end of the world as we know it. And thank God. Yeah, thank God. All right. So now that I have uh, let you know that I am entirely skeptical about government's ability <laughs> to do pretty much anything, I'm, I'm always reminded, I think there was one of these old shows like Roman senators standing there and a crowd runs by and the senator says, I got to follow. And he goes after him and the guy says, where are you going? He goes, I got to see where these people are going so I can lead them, you know, and uh, that's kind of where climate strikes me is government is saying, where, where are the people going so we can pretend to lead them? So now disabuse me but that's of unique. all of these That's issues. unique. We haven't been in that position. That We've they're been even the, paying attention? That's right. They, didn't, they haven't cared. They were like, we don't care. Demonstrate. Millions of people demonstrate. People kill yourselves. Demonstrate. It doesn't matter. So that's a good thing. That joke is not a joke. That would be a positive thing to say that's what happened. <laughs> all right. So Kathy, disabuse us of all of these, uh, <laughs> all of these harsh critics uh, here. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, that's really good to hear your experience as a solar installer and so i am on the the sustainable columbus advisory group and that meets four times a year and so they get they hear from me a lot in those meetings believe me and i also we also have met with them separately 
many times through this process. Um, so what you're talking about is now the implementation and accountability phase. We have this plan. It's a very strong plan because activists pushed for it to be a strong plan. Well, it's not like the activists are going to just disengage and say, okay, see a city, go do, you know, go do this. Um, no, we're going to stay engaged. We're going to stay on the advisory group. We're going to stay involved and make sure that these plans are happening. Also, the city is hiring like five new positions in Sustainable Columbus for this. Um, they have two of them that are environmental justice focused, and, and I can talk in a few minutes about the um, what's going on with equity uh, regarding this plan. They also have an implementation coordinator and two other coordinators. So they're hiring staff to basically make sure this does happen. Um, and also to make sure that it's aligned with other plans going on in the city. For example, in transit, there's a new large initiative called Link Us to build out corridors for bus rapid transit. And sustainability is one of the goals of Link Us. Well, I'm on the Link Us committee too. So in Link Us, I keep telling them, you need to align this with the climate action plan. You need to be counting your carbon emissions and how much getting people out of their cars and onto buses, how much does that lower carbon emissions, and that needs to be worked in. And the city of Columbus is counting its carbon emissions, which I think they're the only city in central Ohio that's doing that. And, and that's the proof in the pudding is watch what happens with those carbon emissions, because the goal is to cut them in half. Well, we want to see that happen. Um, so activists will stay involved. There are city positions to do this. There are committees and so forth. And, and if those sorts of things fail, like we have not been afraid to go to city council and testify there and say, we need you to look into this. And, you know, there've been times city council has done that and that's helped to push, you know, push the ball down the field. Um, well, so, one yeah, one thing that I know uh, from strategies of uh, my earlier days of doing um, uh, social activism is that when I got something passed like this, then I went around and I found the people I really wanted to fill those job positions and I got them to apply and, uh, and I was able to load up <laughs> the, the oh. places where the decisions were made. And I'm going to encourage you to do that, to find people to apply that they really cannot avoid hiring that have the pedigree or the, but they, you want them to have your politics. So, so not just you, but a lot of people, when you're talking about, you know, social justice and having somebody who's going to look at that kind of equity, which that was the first thing I thought of when you were talking is, okay, this is fine for the Clintonvilles and the upper Arlingtons, but what about um, the people that are being gentrified down by children's hospital and things like that? So mm -hmm. I think, I think you, you all owe it to yourself to say the next leg of our activism is to get the right people into those jobs so that everybody's on the same page. Yeah, that's a great idea. Oh, I have that's lots of those, idea. Kathy. <laughs> follow through, <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> Well, you know, you mentioned the equity and that's something we have consistently with our engagement with the city for the past four years. We keep bringing up things like, you know, a lot of low income people rent and they pay high utility bills. Um, there's six neighborhoods in Columbus that have higher than average utility bills and they're the low income areas of people that can least afford it. But if you're renting, usually you pay the electricity bill, but your landlord would have to make, you know, energy efficiency upgrades. 
So um, that's folded into one of the new city um, buckets of money. They've gotten, uh, they have some money from the community choice aggregation that is generating, oh gosh, a, at least a million dollars, 1.5 million a year for community grants. And some of those grants are going to go for energy efficiency upgrades, both for homes, but also for apartments to, to get these you know, to get there to be actual upgrades like replacing appliances or doing weatherization, um, things to lower those utility bills. Um, another bucket of money is going for clean energy workforce development, targeting young adults in opportunity neighborhoods. So we know that clean energy creates jobs, you know, whether it's creating, building solar panels, installing solar panels, um, installing energy efficiency, or even in recycling and the circular economy, there's a lot of jobs to be had. Um, and so the city really wants to target opportunity neighborhoods for hiring for a lot of those positions. Do they, are they doing anything around reuse and repurposing? Because it strikes me that while that may not seem an obvious thing, I think there's a huge way for people to make money at that but also huge savings in carbon in not producing you know more mm -hmm. things because they can be fixed or repurposed yeah absolutely i haven't seen that specifically in the plan there's talk of a circular economy so it would fall under that but um at simply living we have a member named doug calum who is working on a project all around reuse um, in, in Columbus and, and locally in central Ohio. So stay tuned to hear more about that. Um, you, I wanted to back up a little bit on the education on clean energy jobs, especially targeted in, in areas that you've identified as of special need because I've, I've had a lot of involvement in this and some of the issues I've run into and I know you're not going to have a solution to this, but I just want you to be aware that this is a big issue, is first off, the, the people aren't interested in those jobs. So how do you motivate them to get the training? Once you do get a group of people in there for training, they, they lack the uh, reading skills, they lack basic mathematics skills, to get through the training process. In fact, some of the people I've spoken to who are involved in these programs, they may start with, let's say, 100 people in the program, and they may get six or seven of them to finish the program uh, because there are so many fundamental issues. It's not like if we just train you in how to install solar, you're going to get a good job, which is true. But we got to then train you to read. We've got to train you to do basic addition. We've got to train you to show up when you say you're going to show up. And have transportation. Have you can transportation. That's a big one. Drug testing is a big issue. A lot of drug issues. And mm -hmm. again, that's not just in low-income areas. It seems like we're a, we're a nation of addicts. So, so I think part of the problem in solving these things, because you're right, there are huge numbers of jobs available. I get contacted every single day saying, um, you know, I, do you have people? Do you have yeah, I people I can, I can mm -hmm. bring in? Um, but, but getting people through those training programs and ready for the workforce, I mean, that's something that should be starting when they're four years old, and, and it's just not. So well, We're really mm -hmm. talking about mentoring, and we, we can see that. 
of really identifying key skills in selected people. And again, it's not just a blanket thing thrown out there and saying, let's get 100 students. And this is something we've done pretty effectively in our work is to, we have people who come to us that want to take classes. And sometimes we just identify some of these issues and we say, all right, we're going to mentor you. So it's going to be more than just getting you to go online and take a class or show up. It's about teaching you how the language, teaching you how to adapt to what's needed, teaching you how to talk about it to people, um, and just generally saying, you can do it. Come on. What's the challenge? And trying to help overcome that. Mm -hmm. That is a huge thing. So without the mentoring, I don't see any real success. I just, I can't see it. Yeah, that's a great point about the mentoring. And I'm going to bring that up to the city in our next meeting and what you and your experience about the training. In fact, it would be good if they talk to you, you know, because this, this is the first time the city is trying things like this. And so yeah. to hear from people who have done this would be really helpful. Um, I, I guess I would say my experience in terms of the interest is maybe a little bit different. Um, Simply Living um, co-sponsored with a group in Columbus called Columbus Stand Up. Um, we and several other groups um, supported this, but Columbus Stand Up was the lead agency on this. They held a series of environmental justice dialogues in Columbus and they picked four different low-income opportunity neighborhoods and, and all four neighborhoods were really quite different, but um, when people showed up, jobs and training and how to get access to these jobs and trainings was the number one concern. Um, the people in those rooms were very interested in jobs and training. And they, to them, they thought, well, sustainability is nice. And, you know, it's nice if we lower our carbon emissions, but show me the jobs. That was, that was their message. And, and well, I so think that's part what of the, the challenge, Kathy, though, is talk. that there's a difference between a job and the technical piece of this that has a lot right, of different yeah. aspects that, that, as Jay pointed out, start when you're five and six years old. Um, and uh -huh. I, I mean, I know that they want jobs. I, I talk to people all the time about this in, in a variety of situations, including people who don't speak English as their first language. But even with that, if you're going to learn the technical piece, then you've got to learn those words in English. And so the mentoring piece, I don't think Jay's not saying people don't want jobs. What we're saying is there's a lot more to it than just saying we're going to train 100 people or 200 people or five people. And I believe this is true across the board, whether we're talking about poor people or women or in general. We need mentoring. We don't have grandparents as a rule anymore. We don't have apprenticeships as a, an approved, valuable um, program. And so we just need other people like you and me and lots of other folks to step up to the plate and say, I'll take one person or two people and I will mentor them. Okay, well, I'm going to have to cut everybody mm -hmm. off here. And Kathy, <laughs> you've been very patient listening to our rants. And I know that you're, uh, you're doing good work there. Um, I, I'm glad you're doing it because I could not tolerate yeah. sitting through those meetings. And uh, it's good that there are people who can tolerate. But it. we'd be happy to, to talk on Zoom to, to your you committee. Go. All right. So you've been listening to When the Biomass right. Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. 
We want to thank uh, Kathy uh, Cowan Becker, who is executive director of Simply Living. We want to thank our Emmy Award winning producer, Adam Rich. And we want to thank you for spending just a little bit of time with us. And as your grandmother hopefully told you, secret to a happy and sustainable life is... Play nice with others, clean up your own mess. And if she knew about the internet, she'd say go to simplyliving.org. And skip that. Right. <laughs> Till next time. You can find more information on living sustainably in our unsustainable world at blueRockStation.com. Yeah.